As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Racer Swag. Are you passionate about sportsman drag racing? Put your passion on display with custom race-related apparel from racerswag.com. In addition, this podcast is brought to you by K&N Filters. Whether you're looking for quality filtration for your race car, tow vehicle, or daily driver, K&N, a company that created the original Lifetime Air Filter, has you covered. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Yeah! Running out of time, chasing down a finish line. It ain't over till it's over and the line ain't on your side. You running out of moves, now he's got you in a bind. I get all on the table, put it all Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening, or what has happened, in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. What's going on, Luke? Not a whole lot, Big Jed. Just uh, enjoying the unseasonably beautiful weather we're having here. Uh, This is not typical February in Illinois. Gary and I just got back from the park. Spent the weekend with the the doors up in the shop. Got a lot knocked out out there. It's it's been it's been very nice. I don't know that uh, I should get too used to it. I don't know if it lasts very long, but uh, enjoying it while it's here. What is unseasonably nice in Southern Illinois this time of year? I think it was in the seventies today. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That it's definitely. I was just talking with uh, Mark Erickson at Autometer this morning. He said grass is growing in Chicago. I know how to act. Yeah, it's pretty rare in February. Going to have to uh, uh, reorganize the entire garage to get his lawnmower out. That's the way it sounded. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. Mine's buried, too. What else is happening up your way? That's about it. What's new down in uh, in Fultondale? Nah, I wouldn't say anything's new. 
done with basketball. Uh, we uh, we had our season-ending tournament and lost a couple of heartbreakers to end the year and go 0 for 2 in the tournament. So tough year on the court from a little guy and his team, but they fought hard and proud of them, had a good time. And um, other than that, going racing this weekend. That's uh, snuck right up on me. This is the big debut, huh? Yep, Super 7s in Montgomery coming up this weekend. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal. I won't get to attend Friday, but I'm going to get uh, the S-Dime out for Saturday and Sunday, and JJ and I are going to go have some fun, see what happens. Fifteen grand a day. Nice. Do some uh, get out there in the wheelie truck, huh? Yeah, going to pop some wheelies, have a good time, hopefully remember how to do it. Uh, man, just seems like my layoffs over the winter get longer and longer. I think first or second week in November was the last time I went down the track. So it's been a little while, and this will be my debut in competition in the S10, although I've owned it for many a month. It's been loaned out quite a bit, so it's going to be a good time. We'll see how it works out. Looking forward to getting back on the track. And although it seemed like forever before I was going to get to race again, it just, man, it just sneaks right up on you. Yeah, I know the feeling. Good uh, good luck to you down there. I'm in the same boat. I'm still probably about a month off, but uh, I got to looking at a calendar like a week or so ago and thought, oh, wow, <laughs> I need to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it does. It's, it's just like, wow, it seems like forever before you'll get to race again. It's here, and it'll be from this point on, it'll be pretty steady opportunity to go race somewhere for, for a good purse at that. Right, that's when we get started. I think we go five weeks in a row all over Timbuktu, so I got to uh, got to get my ducks in a row up here as well. All right, today podcast. I think we've got a really cool show today. We've got a lot to get into. Um, today's kind of focus or topic is actually going to be women in drag racing, and we've got a very special guest joining us in uh, yep. Miss Erica Enders Stevens. Will be on the program with us a little bit later on. We'll talk about a little bit about her career, obviously, and, and some of the challenges facing female competitors in general. I don't think there's anyone better to uh, to speak on that than Erica in this day and age. So looking forward to that. Before we get to that, we did have a little bit of racing that I know of to go over last weekend. I know um, Chris Forsyth put on his race in Tucson, Arizona. I believe that was called the, the West Coast Classic. Does that sound right? That does sound right. Look like they well, are. actually, yeah, it might have been the Southwest. Even better, class. that yeah, makes more better. sense. Yeah, that's not really the coast <laughs> in Tucson, is it? <laughs> but uh, hey, like I said last week, I can't even remember the names of the races that I, I put on or go to. So uh, it's it's tough, but it did did look like a great race. Yeah, yeah, it uh, looked like they they got faced with some uh, weather obstacles but they got everything in that was on the flyer i think condensed it from what would have been maybe three days into two but with a little bit of creative scheduling got it all done just keeping up with what i did on facebook i actually meant to call chris today and get the blow by blow but uh it slipped off the schedule for me but i know that uh, mark lalonde won the the big gamblers race on the top i believe it was for 22-5 heck of a way to start the season yeah really nice payday in february in the bottom ball gambler it was none other than tibor i know uh tibor kadar is that is that right kadar or kadar i should know this well I, i've always said kadar but kadar know, tibor, well, i'll roll with that either way first and last name no offense to tibor but i need to send him a name change form i mean that's a <laughs> that's really difficult to get if you don't know him yeah, and, and I would imagine, like, in your shoes as an announcer, you got to get used to saying it a lot. I, I, I was 
Tibor not only won the gambler's race, which I think was Friday night, he won the main event on Saturday as well. Basically made a clean sweep of the bottom bulb classes. And I was, we were actually talking off air before the show. The first time that I went to race in Tucson, Arizona was probably 15 years ago, right at that. And uh, if I recall, Tibor swept the bottom bulb classes when I went. 15 years ago and I, and I, I don't think those are like the only two times it's happened uh, yeah and, and Tibor's not an old show. guy no, I mean, he, no. he's obviously been sweeping classes for quite a while but uh, he, he was doing it at a very early age and dude just wrecks him out there on the bottom man he is talented talented guy and it showed again this weekend great performance by him no doubt and the other big winner was our buddy friend of the show i think yeah. that's, that's the show effect coming out a little uh, little interview on the show it took a couple <laughs> of months but right after kyle's interview there was no racing so i'm gonna say he was riding the high of the sportsman drag racing podcast right into tucson and uh, no doubt i believe one of it was combined two events. I believe it was $15,000 to win. Big Nasty Kyle Seifel getting it done out there. Yep, Big Nasty taking the Lamb family dragster to uh, to another big final round and getting the win and starting his season off right as well. He, uh, he's been doing quite a bit more racing here of late uh, with the Lamb family. And, man, he's, uh, he's really, really good on the racetrack for those that, that don't know Kyle that well. And um, he's, he's proven it again. He... Got some national event wins. I know he won uh, one in stock last year, and uh, I'm not real sure if he got one in the dragster or not, but he's uh, he's performing well, and he's got a great start to 17. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Like I've said on here before, it's like riding a bicycle. Once you uh, once you know how, I don't think you completely forget. So yeah, after, no uh, after several year layout, uh, Kyle right back where he, where he left off. Some other racing on the other side of the country. We had a uh, King of the Coast Series event a little bit closer to your neck of the woods down in uh, in Gulfport, Mississippi. Uh, yeah. Similar situation there from what I understood. Um, had some issues Saturday. Had a ton of cars, it sounded like. And uh, basically combined two races into one on Sunday. The, the King of the Coast races are normally... 4,000 to win in Super Pro, so the combined made one eight grander. And I believe in the footbrake category, it's normally two grand to win. Is that right? That is correct. They combined those, made it 4,000. Um, happy to see Galen with a big turnout down there. Always puts on a good show the few times that I've raced with him. And the big winners in the top ball class was Brandon Taylor, one of your Alabama Slammers. Not one of your Alabama Slammers as in on the team, but one of, uh, yeah. one of those that definitely considered had the uh, – had consideration in being a, a part of the team and, and a huge threat to win all the races in Alabama. Um, yep, got it, by Jacob Raymer in the final. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Brandon was actually in Papa's uh, Nova, wasn't he? He was. He was in uh, Barney. So a uh, good performance by him. And uh, in the bottom bulb final was a couple of guys who have raced quite a bit with us at the World Footbreak Challenge and Southern Footbreak Challenge. It was uh, Matt Nowling getting by Stephen Daly, a couple of guys from the panhandle of Florida, so talented racers down there showing out once again, and uh, Matt getting a big win starting his season off right. Absolutely, no better way to kick things off. We actually made that tour a couple of years ago, went to Bell Rose and Gulfport and had a big time. That's, uh, I'd like to do that again at some point. It's a nice escape from the, from the weather up here, although like I said here lately, the, the weather up here has been nothing to escape. <laughs> yeah, you guys obviously don't have any racing on the schedule. Nobody's crazy enough to try that, but it would have worked out this year, wouldn't it? It's been pretty warm. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at, uh, my original plan was to start at, uh, at Tintuck, which is still about a, a month away, the, the first event at, uh, at Bowling Green, but I just realized I've got a major scheduling conflict, because that weekend is opening weekend in the NCAA tournament, and to oh me, goodness. that should be like a national holiday. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm not real sure. I, I just intend to spend at least that Thursday and Friday on my couch, and um, Tintuck doesn't really fit into those plans, so I, I might have to reevaluate a little bit. Well, I, uh, I don't think that I need to remind you, Luke, but you do make your living on the racetrack for the most part, so I'm sure you'll make the right decision, whatever that is. <laughs> well, yeah, moving on to the, uh, the next... Uh, item on our checklist today for the sportsman drag racing podcast we we introduced last week our uh the next big thing right yeah and uh boy did we get some feedback on that didn't we we asked and we received <laughs> yeah i believe when i looked this morning trying to tally things up i think we had 153 comments on that facebook post yeah so thank you all for for chiming in and obviously we knew that this would be a a, a topic that a lot of you would get passionate about but uh, what we did basically was just take from those 150 plus nominees, we just took the 10 that received the most mentions, votes, likes. And so we basically got 10 candidates that we will roll out here in this episode. And I guess we'll announce the names first, Jed, and then we'll, uh, we'll tell them what we're going to do to whittle 10 to 1. Yeah, sounds good. I'll... Uh... I'll run down the list here and catch the the first five, and we can let you wrap up the last five. But some really talented young racers on this list, definitely worthy of uh, all of the mentions that they got on the Facebook page, and guys I know perform well. And starting the list out is Zach Hitchcock. Um, Zach, a young man out of Tennessee. Then Tucker Kanzelar. I believe Tucker lives in... Kansas, is that right, or is it Iowa? Iowa. Mm -hmm. Iowa, okay, lives in Iowa. Gage Birch, which is a Floridian, very talented young racer. One of the Team Illinois racers here, uh, Brett Williamson. And out of Virginia is very talented Devin Dudley. Yeah, so that's five. Another candidate was Mitchell Reeves from down in your neck of the woods, I believe. Yeah, he's an Alabama um, guy. We had the uh, the two Ellison brothers from Ohio, both Caleb and Edmund, receiving a ton of votes and uh, as uh, as nominees. They're down to the final ten, so to speak. Jordan Holly and Brad Northrup, one of the uh, the Northrup boys from up there in uh, in Pennsylvania. So yeah. obviously, those are the big ten, and I would think like just being mentioned being nominated at this point is a huge accomplishment i think that uh, i run down through those that list of names and i'll admittedly like i'm not super familiar with all of these guys but i've heard all of the names and the ones that i do know are unbelievably talented and definitely have a huge future in front of them but obviously the task now is to go from 10 to 1 and i'm really proud of what we've learned basically from our past um contests within the podcast jed in that we are not going to decide the winner of this oh yeah i love that yeah we've I definitely wised up these are your nominees listeners so don't get mad at us if you're you know the person that you think is the next big thing is not on the list this is on you um but uh, from this point on we're going to basically create a ballot of these 10 and we're going to let you guys vote at some point in the next couple of days we will uh 
come up with a brief list of accomplishments of each of these uh, drivers, maybe let them say a word or two about themselves, and then um, we're going to put it to a vote. And uh, I think, anyway, the way that we're going to structure this is actually going to be an email vote. We'll put all of the uh, details up on our Facebook page, but I would say by Friday or early next week, the ballot will be ready and the voting will begin. Yeah, it's going to be a great time watching it play out again. Uh, We've already seen the early passion from uh, people voting their favorite next big thing racer in, and I'm sure it's going to ramp up just a notch when they see that their choices are here on the list and having the opportunity to to be the person that we go to and, and discuss being the next big thing so looking forward to all that playing out out real soon yeah at least on our part i think that'll be the funnest part of this whole thing is that the the overall winner the leading vote getter we're going to bring on the show and and let them uh let them tell us about what they got going on and i don't know i don't know if anybody's really qualified to tell us why anybody else thinks that they're going to be the next big thing but (laughs) we can definitely uh, get a little bit of insight to uh their racing program and what they've got going on and how they've gotten to where they're at and what they see in the future so i'm really excited about that i think that'll be a lot of fun me too and if if nothing else we'll add a little more pressure to them every time they they pull up and stage yeah yeah well i mean (laughs) cycle got the podcast bumped so I don't, I mean, there's That's no podcast point. jinx. That's a real good point. This Although, is not like the Wheaties deal. This is. Yeah. I mean, if Jeff Verdi doesn't win both millions this year, is that going to be our fault? He <laughs> no, was on the podcast. Definitely. It's going to be on him. What about if Strickland doesn't win both world championships? <laughs> oh, well, that's probably not going to happen anyway. He'll probably win them both. So. Yeah. I wonder no. if he could run a third class. That way we could say that he got the podcast vote. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned a little bit, I'm stumbling here, obviously, the, uh, what we tried to learn from our last uh, kind of popularity contest or vote with that being the all-state competition this wasn't really on our bullet notes things to discuss today but we had some entertainment in the all-state discussion today i saw a little post from uh, from the louisiana crew i gotta get your thoughts on it jed that it was it was pretty good uh it was real good uh, man i we didn't discuss this off air so i didn't know this was coming but <laughs> cody harger that the they uh, excuse me louisiana uh, Bayou team captain. He threw down Bayou yeah, badasses. Is that right? Well, that, that's what they call themselves. Okay. Yeah, self-proclaimed. Um, so he he threw down the gauntlet, and uh, he, which I'm, I admit that I'm not real good with uh, with showcasing our racers, as he said. And everybody's put these little pictures together with like a you know the team name and then the pictures of the racers with their name i I mean i don't know how to do any of that i'm not very good on the computer what cody came up with looked like full-on michael beard i mean like does he do that for (laughs) a living like that looked good it did it looked real good looked like web design stuff it it looked like uh, there might have been some money spent on that he he put together a list with some in, insulting pictures of cars for our team, and he renamed I every. I mean, that was a picture of you. That was a picture of bones. Like that's all. That's all representative, <laughs> he, right? He renamed every one of the Alabama Slammers, and he called us the the Bama Buybacks. And then he said, <laughs> then he went on to say it's where, um, oh man, Ancestry dot com and. Uh, and what it, I can't remember what he said, but where he said it's the, pretty much the same thing. But uh, like I don't know, saying you know we're all kin or whatever. But he threw down the gauntlet, and um, I don't know how we're going to get him back. But 
we're, we're going to do our best to <laughs> hold up our end of the smack talk. I'm just glad he's focused on Alabama right now because I don't think I got anything for you, Cody. Don't come after Illinois. All right? <laughs> yeah, he went for the easy target. <laughs> I mean, we all know I'm an easy target. I'm not real smart, and I can't make good pictures, and I don't have a whole lot of time to sit around on Facebook like Cody obviously does. <laughs> so. I don't uh, I don't get the opportunities to do the things he's doing, so eh, well done. Very well played. I'm not mad. I've had people texting it to me while I was trying to enjoy a round of golf today, and, um, you know, I thought it was funny. So I'm not mad, Cody, but um, we're still going to get even. So hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> we got like six more months of this. And this yeah, race is until September. It's so early. <laughs> People will be tired of hearing about it by the time it's done, I'm sure. You want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb. Win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land. Then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Racer Swag. Racer Swag is where I go to get my racing apparel. It's where Luke goes to get his racing gear. It's where you should go to get yours as well. Racer Swag has dozens of designs specific to sportsman drag racing from their own line of shirts and caps to BW Promotions designs to thisisbracketracing.com apparel and even designs that feature specific sportsman racers, including Luke and myself. We all like to represent our love for racing in our own unique way, whether it's at the track, at school, at work, or out on the town. Racer Swag has the designs to let you showcase your passion and look great at the same time. To see all the cool caps, t-shirts, decals, and everything else they offer, check out racerswag.com. K&N Filters is a company rooted in drag racing, and as most of you know, K&N is also the major marketing partner on my Supercomp Dragster. So I use K&N products on my race cars, from carbon fiber hood scoops to air filters, oil filters, fuel filters, you name it. I use K&N products on my street cars, lifetime washable air filters, oil filters, cabin air filters, and more. I use K&N filters on our racing RVs coach. With little exception, if you have an automotive application, K&N probably offers a filter for it. In addition to being a proud Team K&N member myself, I'm also a K&N distributor. So if you need an air filter for your Honda Civic, I, I don't have it. But I mean, I could get it if you really want me to, but I tend to focus more on their drag race line, like our air filter kit for dragsters. This filter and base ring combo will fit inside any scoop tray scoop combination, and it has no effect on performance or fuel curve. Believe me, I've tested it repeatedly. It's just insurance uh, for the greatest investment on your race car, and it's cheap insurance at that. The whole kit sells for 115 bucks. All right, so Luke, today's main topic, which is one that uh, I expect to, to have a lot of interaction when when the listeners get to hear the show, is this is a cool topic to me, and it's women in drag racing. You know, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of different aspects of what women face in drag racing these days, and then we're going to have a very special guest, as you mentioned. But a really cool topic, and uh, looking forward to, to hearing our guests discuss it as well as the things that, that we've got on the list to talk about. Yeah, I'm interested to see where the conversation goes today because I'm not oblivious to the fact that females in general in our sport face some very unique challenges. Like, I, I think we can yeah. all admit that in large respect, we've got a testosterone-driven hobby sport. 
and with that being said like i don't i don't want to gas bag too much here like we tend to do like we're because we're guys <laughs> we can obviously have some insight on this but i think for the most part i, I want to defer to erica and and because she's lived it in every sense of the word but we've obviously got some thoughts and concerns before we bring her on like i guess my my first question because we got to start here somewhere like as parents we're, we're both parents to to young boys so our perspective of raising a child at the racetrack is through our own eyes because we both were essentially raised at the racetrack my question for you jed how would your parenting be different if you were raising a daughter and would you raise her at the racetrack yeah that's a good question and one that i'm not real sure i know the answer to but i feel like i do i feel like i would absolutely have my daughter at the racetrack now uh, her mom if we had a daughter would be a girly girl herself and one that i'm not sure would want her daughter at the races she might would rather have her in cheering competitions or beauty pageants or whatever but uh, as a hardcore racer longtime hardcore racer myself I, I think absolutely i'd want my my daughter at the racetrack and you're seeing a lot of it a lot of a lot of little girls out in the races out in the juniors at the races these days and performing well and honestly i think it's different at that age I, you know my son is growing up in an age where the girls play baseball with them mm-hmm. they play basketball with them i'm not sure they look at it the way i did I, i'm not sure i saw more than half a dozen females on the racetrack my first 10 years of racing so losing to a girl no offense to anybody was just something you absolutely didn't want to do not whether they were any good or not you just didn't want to do it but nowadays i think it's just so much different the girls are very competitive and they're used to interacting with the boys at whatever they're doing so i think girls seemingly belong now i don't think people look at it like i did no without question it's definitely even like you say probably within our lifetime been a little bit of a change in outlook the reason that i that i frame the question like that comes from a conversation i had with with one of our buddies adam davis at your race last year adam and his wife heather actually just this week monday brought their little girl into the world so congratulations adam and heather baby baby olivia but when we were we were talking about this several months ago and uh and adam was basically saying yeah got a little girl on the way so i got maybe 10 12 years of racing left and that's it because i'm not bringing a teenage girl to the racetrack with me like i i've seen the other side of that and we just kind of <laughs> laughed about it you know what i mean but i mean there's definitely something there because that would be my first thought like there is no way that i'm taking my high school daughter to the racetrack you know what i mean because yeah just like the the whole like 10 to 1 guys to girls thing and, and it's such a testosterone laden sport and like there's just like a part of me says well that's like dumping a handful of girls in the college dormitory with the football players you know what i mean like you're just asking back for bad things to happen but when you get past that when i really gave it some consideration like i'm with you i think that the the good outweighs the bad like all of the things that i want to instill in my son that were basically instilled in me through our sport like i would want to do the same thing with the daughter so while as she gets older like i would be scared to death like i'm i would probably be scared to death with her going to high school so no doubt <laughs> yeah but, i mean uh, you know i've been a teenage boy so yeah I, absolutely no matter what 
my teenage daughter was doing, I, I would be probably right. terrified. I think, you know, our sport, and again, like I'll defer a lot of this to, to Erica, but one of the main issues that I see from women, and this is just looking at what my, my wife goes through racing, is that like, I just feel like females in general in our sport face challenges that we as as men and as you know men that grew up racing tend to take for granted like the one that really stands out for me is like it's just really seemingly difficult to impossible for women to get the credit that they deserve and when I say that like when my wife wins the there's always like a narrative of well she couldn't have been there without without me or when Mia Tedesco wins, like there's always somebody saying, well, where would she be without Jason Lynch? Or even when Erica wins, somebody's out there going, well, she couldn't have got there without daddy or elite or whoever. Yep. But my point is when I win, no one says that I couldn't have gotten there without my dad. And he was every bit as instrumental in my success as any one of those above that I mentioned. But that's never the narrative with men. Like we're, lauded for our accomplishments and our hard work well nobody's a one-man show there's always somebody behind the scenes that's helping in some regard to make things happen but once we get on the racetrack it's just one man or woman against the other man or woman and you've got to perform so i don't see why that's any different for females than it is for males but it seems to be like across the board like i say that narrative is is different yeah when reality is luke they the things they've had to overcome to get to a, a championship level in our sport, they should be applauded at a higher level. Instead, you know, it's talked about, like you said, you know, they they try to find the negatives or the man that helped them get there, so to speak. But, you know, I couldn't imagine being a female and, and competing on the level that, that the ones you talked about mentioned. Reality is, those girls or ladies are very talented regardless of their gender and deserve every bit of the credit that they get when or should get when they win jess was winning races you know before you come along no offense but she's probably got a little better equipment and a little better perspective today than she had at one point but she's obviously very talented and of course me and erica as well so i couldn't agree more that that they sometimes don't get the credit or most time don't get the credit they deserve yeah and when i think about it like it's just such a a catch-22 or a difficult line to walk it's got to be as a female because like i said before like we're in a very testosterone driven sport and no one like i said before has, has really gotten to any level of success by themselves but like take you and i for example when we've worked our way up the ranks so to speak of our sport but as we've gotten opportunities along the ways like as as males it's it's been regarded and and our impression of those opportunities has been just their opportunities that we got because of merit and that's the way that everybody else perceives it too like and looking back at my evolution as a racer from where i started to where i am now like it's difficult and a lot of things had to fall in place and the timing had to be just right you know i look back and think man how fortunate was i that all of that went my way and a lot of you know hard work went into that obviously but sure as a female and i don't want this to come across the wrong way is like i know that there's a lot of well-intentioned people out there and well-intentioned males that are in positions of power in our sport 
but as a female with every opportunity that's presented you know whereas males we would just assume like that's completely merit-based you know we've earned this and that's the way everybody else views it as a female like you can't help but question and think to yourself like what does this man want from me like how does this man want to i don't use me is not the right term but like market me because i think one of the biggest catch-22s and one of the things that i want to talk about with erica is like strictly from a marketing standpoint I think that we tend to think like females have it easier in our sport because it's easier for females to get sponsors because they're yep. rarer, you know, rarer is that a word, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But what the catch 22, the flip side of that is, while it may be easier, I think the vast majority of marketers want to market that female racer as a sex symbol, which then makes it more difficult for the racer really to be taken seriously as a racer so you yep. get this great opportunity but then everybody's kind of snickering behind your back like it just there's no way to win or to, you have to really fight through it to win and i just like that's i it, what i'm getting at is that this thing's hard enough without having to second guess every move along the way and the intentions of everybody that you deal with. Like, I can't, I, I'm, I'm anxious to get Erica's thoughts because this has got to be a unbelievably difficult hill to climb, even, I, I think, substantially more so for the females. Yeah, no doubt. You know, you, you've obviously reached a, a level in our sport that not many people have seen. And, you know, Luke, you're a smart guy. You know, there's people out there rooting against you because you're a winner. And you've had some success and people don't sometimes don't want to see a guy continue on. But to think how I would feel that that somebody wanted me to lose just because of my gender with without knowing anything about me, not wanting me to have any success, just want me to lose because I'm not a man. That has to be extremely difficult to overcome on the mental side and to, to get yourself in the seat and compete at a high level knowing that there's a ton of people out there that just don't want to see a girl do well, especially in pro stock. So, you know, Erica alone is, is amazing what she's overcome and looking forward to getting her perspective on that here in just a little bit. Yeah, and I don't want to pitch this like we're stuck in the 60s or something where it's you know, there's a whole lot of sexism. Like what you're talking about isn't the majority, but it's out there. There's no doubt that it's out there. Yeah, you see it on the message forums and Facebook and whatever else on social media. You, you see it. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's the majority, but it's enough that it would uh, it would aggravate me as a competitor. And I know it, it aggravates her, I'm sure, because I know she's very competitive. Enough gas bagging on our end. Let's see if we can get Erica on the line and get her, some of her uh, insights on this. This is my moment. I'll be on All right, our next guest started in Junior Dragsters in 1992 at the tender age of eight. She was the 2000 NHRA Rookie of the Year, the first female number one qualifier in pro stock history, the current speed national record holder in pro stock, and a two-time NHRA pro stock world champion. Welcome, Erica Enders. Erica, how are you? I'm great. How are y'all? We are doing wonderful. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Erica, bring us up to, to speed a little bit on 2017. Obviously, you guys got some new cars. You've been doing a lot of testing. It looks like you got started off on a positive foot with a semifinal performance in Pomona. What's going on in your world? 
Well, there's a lot going on in our world, actually. Right. We've got three cars as of right now. Myself, Jed Coughlin, and then Vincent Nobile is a engine leasing customer of Elite Performance. So three really fun drivers and, and fun teams to be around. But Jeggy, uh, Jeg's got a 2017 Rick Jones Camaro. The car that I'm driving currently that I started with in Pomona is actually my 14 world championship car with a new front end on it with no hood scoop, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, then uh, Vincent's driving my 15 championship car. So we're kind of across the board as far as cars are concerned, but they're all uh, Rick Jones built. And we've got a couple more 17 models on order that will debut later in the year, if not 2018. Awesome. So, but anyway, proud to be back with Chevrolet. I mean, it was a, a great partnership with, uh, with Mopar and, really had an awesome team of engineers that work with us from SRT and, and Mopar and the Dodge side as well. But we just, we couldn't make it work. Couldn't, uh, <laughs> couldn't really get out of the first round very much. And the Mopar stuff is actually really powerful. I know I'm, uh, I'm rambling, but at a higher RPM, it crushes the Chevy stuff. But now that we're limited to an RPM, we just can't mm-hmm. make up for the lack of torque that it makes down low compared to the Chevy. So we unfortunately had to part ways with them. And you never know what the future holds, but I'm back in a, a proven combination that we have at Elite Motorsports. And it was so fun to go some rounds again on Sunday at Pomona. I mean, we we're five thou away from being in our, our first final in over 15 months. And you know, it was, a, it was a fun weekend. We've we've got some work to do to continue to catch up, but uh, like I always say, I put a, I put my money on us. We'll we'll get there. Yeah, we don't have any doubts about that either, Erica. You're obviously everyone knows you as two-time Pro Stock World Champion Erica Enders, but obviously the bulk of our listeners are just like Jed and I, sportsman competitors. You've got some pretty deep sportsman roots. Like, give us a little Cliff's notes of how you kind of got to where you are. Sure. Well, like you said, I started in junior dragsters in 92. I drove those for nine years along with my sister, Courtney. And my final year of junior drag racing, I also pulled double duty and drove a super comp car and then drove enough junior races to qualify for the conference finals and go back and race that at the end of the year. But from juniors, I moved on to super comp and super gas. I drove those cars for five years and I went and got my alcohol funny car license because I was kind of going to go the funny car route at that time. It was before, you know, Ashley Forrest and, and Melanie Troxel had dabbled in it and they hadn't had a female winner yet. So that was kind of my the route that I was going. I, I got my license at Frank Holly's school and Robert Height was actually in my class. So that was pretty cool. But uh-huh. after that, I won the Houston national event in Supergas. Uh, this was in 04. And when I won that event is when I got the call from Victor Cagnazzi to come audition to, to drive his pro stock car. So, and I guess the rest is kind of history from there. But as far as the sportsman ranks are concerned, um, it was super comp and super gas predominantly. And I drive, you know, other cars occasionally when I had the opportunity from super street to top dragster, top sportsman, whatever. I make sure to buy my license number in, in all the classes every year, just in case I have a chance to ride. So I, uh, got a helmet. We'll travel. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Now, obviously, as, as sportsman racers, we claim you, especially when you have those stellar performances on the starting line. We're like, yeah, she she honed those back with us, right? <laughs> Your starting line prowess, like, I think, at least in recent years, you've probably been as good or better than anyone in the class. Like, what do you attribute that to? Is that more 
experience, comfort, focus, a combination of them? And I guess my biggest question, like, do you train or how do you train? Like, what do you do to, to work at that? I work at it all the time and no matter what I do or what car I'm driving or what activity I'm participating in, I, I like have this competitive edge. Like I want to be the best there is period. And, and I work really hard at that. You know, having said that, it, it hasn't been easy, but I think a lot of it comes from sportsman racing. You guys know, you know, you got to be double O, take double O. And uh, in pro stock, it, it wasn't necessarily that way until the last few years. I think the younger guns, I'm not so young anymore, but me, Vincent Noviel, a couple others at the time had really brought the competition, you know, made them get on their toes. Because before, if you go back and look at the stats, you know, five, six, seven years ago, average lights in pro stock were probably 40 50 60 and if you drag that up there today you go home by a lot (laughs) so i've just really like really strive to be the best i can and and a lot of it comes from sports and racing but a lot of it comes from my dad he's he's really helped me with the the mental side of the program and not being frazzled you know like like 2014 i can't remember a situation in my life or in drag racing where there was more pressure on our shoulders as a team than there was at Pomona at the world finals when Jason line ran every round in front of us. And as he won the round, we went 19 points behind him. So I had to follow up with a win and then having to race him in the final round for, for the world championship. It was just like, it was crazy. So I, uh, I want to be the best there is under pressure. I, I love pressure, and you have to tell yourself that in order to be to be good under it. But I work hard at it. I really do. I, I have a practice tree. I have a simulator at our, at Richie's shop here in New Orleans, and then we've got stuff at our shop in Oklahoma that we work with. But just seat time, man. That's the key to it. Oh, yeah. Erica, do you know in a pro stock car? That seems so busy in there. Do you know when you ripped it and, and when you didn't? I mean, you, you feel like you, you know Absolutely. that every time? I do. I've I've gotten to be where I'm so comfortable in the cars and and Rick Jones and Ricky have really helped me with that as well. We've developed, you know, kind of stem off of the last question you asked. We developed a clutch pedal with a certain linkage that I'm able to go in there and I have adjustments that I can make for five thou, a hundredth, twelve thou. I mean, there are different positions that I put this clutch pedal in. The only variable is me and whatever rpm we leave at and i for every 100 rpm i have it accounted for a certain number of thousands so it's my non-electronic delay box in the race car <laughs> so i'll go up there and i'll take into account you know starting line condition what rpm we're leaving at my crew chiefs will give me a 200 rpm window so i know what to account for sunlight cloud cover whatnot and and the only variable is me and how i stage so i got to be really comfortable with that with that in my car and, and that's kind of what's helped make it better i guess but i do know when i ripped it like when i unclutched that car like i can tell you probably within 100 like you guys letting go of a button you know when you hit it Nah, that's luke i'm not that good but uh yeah <laughs> I, I, I get your point <laughs> no, very cool that was a little bit of inside baseball there that was good yeah stuff. really neat erica as you know our, our topic on the on the show this week is is women in racing and as someone in your shoes who has fought her way to the the pinnacle of our sport like there's obviously no one more qualified to speak on this talk to us just in, i guess in general terms first and, and if you want to get into specific stories then obviously we welcome that but talk to us about some of the the obstacles that are unique to women within our sport that we as men tend to overlook or take for granted it's a double-edged sword and i don't want to come off as 
you know, I was talking to, to a friend earlier about it. Like, how do you talk about it without having people perceive that you're dwelling on it or thinking that you're at a disadvantage or whatever? You guys know as well as I do. I don't think about that. Like, gender plays no role in what we do. It's just, it's not how I was raised. It's not how the world works anymore. Mm-hmm. But having said that, there are a handful of people out there with a chauvinistic mentality that I think equates to pure ignorance but that's just me i mean i don't i don't know how to say it being nice but it just it is what it is you have to you have to play the cards that you're dealt like yeah it's cool being the only female pro stock driver i'm sure the the other girls and and top fuel and funny car i mean it's it's different it's different to see a female out there competing in professional drag racing but we're out there doing it on the same playing field as the men are and we're winning just just as they are so it's it's very interesting i have to deal with a lot of crap as i was talking to you guys before we went on air that it's like having my team is like having 19 older brothers they pick on me constantly (laughs) but the cool part about that is is they don't let anybody else pick on me so i guess that's cool but you know rambling again when i when i first started pro stock racing i mean it's a good old boys class that's what it is i knew that when i went into it and being older now and looking back like i can only imagine what those guys thought like here i am i'm a 19 year old girl that they're probably like oh she's gonna be a flash in the pan and her dad's got money and blah 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 whatever other ideas that people have out there that aren't necessarily accurate i can only imagine what they thought so i've kind of hopefully earned the the respect over the years i mean i've been competing now for 13 years in pro stock which is hard to believe because i don't feel that old but over the years we've we've gained the respect of our competitors and the ones that don't respect us i could really give a crap we can (laughs) we we can go outside if they want i don't care i've got a a slew of men that stand behind me but there are a handful of the guys that i race with that do not like us and they simply don't like us because we have fun and we're successful it is what it is but long story short gender plays no role i don't i don't focus on it i don't dwell on it i'm not bitter about it but i think it is uh pretty cool to be a a positive role model for the little girls in the sport because I being you know being out at the rope signing autographs and stuff I recognize the look in their eye that I had when I was a kid standing out beside behind uh Shelly Anderson's pit or Angel's pit or Shirley Muldowney's pit and and it's cool to be it's surreal to be in that position for them I'm sure. Erica, the, obviously making history with the 2014 championship had to feel amazing, but to come back and just totally back that up was, I know you don't want to make it sound like this, but wasn't that kind of like an in-your-face moment I mean, to the naysayers? It was. It was. Haters are going to hate no matter what. <laughs> Y'all know that. But it was cool to be able to to do it because they said we we would never do it we were a one car team in 2014 we skipped two races on the western swing and we still were able to come back and win the championship and i didn't drive very stellar in 14 i mean i drove average i had a really good race car in 15 i drove so much better and we had a really great race car so that helped but to be able to do it again in 15 and to wrap it up early you know we clinched in vegas so going into pomona without the pressure i didn't like that situation i would have much rather gone into pomona having to have a dog fight for the championship i think i would have drove better but if i remember right i lost on a whole shot in the semis at the world finals in 15 so it was it was my fault because i didn't you know i didn't step up but it was awesome to go back to back and to because we had i said it in my in my speech in 15 that two of our 
toughest competitors out there told my team owner and I at the after party, you have zero chance of standing up here next year in 2015. <laughs> so it was kind of like a... How'd that work out for you? you Shut up, Juice. (laughs) Exactly. That's why you don't talk smack. You let the scoreboard talk. That actually brings up a a question that I guess I've always had, and I I don't know. I guess to some extent we kind of know the answer, but how difficult is it when you're in that position where you have the dominant car in a in a completely heads up class like pro stock like how difficult is it to race with that edge i, mean, I would think it would be much easier to drive better when you know you're at the performance disadvantage because you got nothing to lose like how difficult is it to have that mindset when you know you've got the fastest car on the grounds you're right it is a different mindset you know and we've never had just like a crazy advantage like you know mike edwards had back in the day right. and greg and jason had years and years ago and then they had again last year we've, we've never had that big of an advantage so you always kind of have to step to the plate where I struggle is that I don't know how to back off like I'll go up there and I'll set my clutch pedal up like I had the same rule when I raced sportsman like just set up to be 10 that way you have a hundredth either way that you can miss it and still be safe so that's kind of the mindset I have now if you go back and look there are some first round races that I had like in Brainerd I remember for some reason I had Dave River first round we were qualified on the pole he was 16th and I go out there I'm set up to be 10 or 12 because you just don't have to crush it when you have somebody covered by a 10th and I go out and I'm trip zip like who does that that is so stupid (laughs) (laughs) but I just I don't have the ability to back down like I, I can't go up there and lay up and try to be 30 and miss it and be 60 you know like I can't can't risk that so I'd almost rather be at a slight performance disadvantage if I had to pick but I want the fast. I also want the fastest car you can give me, so we can just go out there and crush them. Yeah, no, sure. I would say overall that that aggressive mentality has definitely done you more good than harm over the years. Would you agree? I would. Thanks. And I, yeah, I mean, it's bit me in the butt a couple of times, but you know, in fourteen and fifteen, I didn't, I didn't have any red lights. Thank God. And I had a couple of close calls, I think, and you know, I was, I was triple zero a couple of times in fifteen, and you know double o this double o that whatever and and that's a little close for comfort especially with the way i set up our race car but i don't know you gotta push right i mean i i would tell my crew chief like he went up an extra hundred in vegas at the in 15 when we we qualified on the pole we were in the final round we had clinched the championship second round we were in the finals against Bo, who's an awesome racer and uh i set up to be eight on the tree and my crew chiefs went up a couple hundred it got dark and I radioed to Rick and I said, dude, I'm going to be really close to red if, if not a couple thou under. And he's like, we're not backing down. You're not backing down. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's so cool to have guys that stand behind me that support me no matter what. And um, sure. I don't come back to the trailer and get yelled at if I'm late or if I'm red. And they don't get yelled at if we blow the tires off the car. It's just a really unique environment to work in. Yeah, that's very cool. Awesome. From a marketing standpoint, Erica, like I think that most male racers tend to have the opinion that like there's more opportunities for women and that may be true but i think it's a bit of a catch-22 because like the sponsors team owners whatever the case may be like i think tend to market female racers as sex symbols so that's Mm -hmm. fine but in a way i think it makes it more difficult for someone like yourself to be taken seriously as a racer obviously not now but on your way up you've at least like from the outside i mean you're obviously a, a, a very attractive woman, but it seems as though you've kind of fought to keep yourself from being branded as a sex symbol. Is is that 
Is that accurate? And like, was that a conscious decision? I feel it is accurate. And thank you for saying that. Cause I, I mean, I, I go back and forth with my guys on this. Like I, I want to be known for my driving skills. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be known. And granted, I don't have a six pack and I don't wear a bikini or take my clothes off for the camera. That's that I'm not knocking it. Do what you do. I mean, I, hats off to them, but I, that's not me. I want to be known for driving a race car and being good at it. You know, I'm still very girly. I like girl stuff. I, you know, fix my hair and paint my nails and wear makeup and all of that, but it is catch 22. I mean, there are there more opportunities? I'm not so sure that there are. I think that it's different. It's different to have a young female behind the wheel of a 1500 horsepower race car or in the top fuel people's sense you know over 10,000 horsepower that's cool it's not something that's normal so people focus on it the media is attracted to it but it doesn't it doesn't create opportunity it's still about pounding the pavement and shaking hands and talking to everybody that you can get in front of you know I went with with my family and some friends to Barrett Jackson this year and they, they were all partying and whatever but I wore my elite motorsports golf shirt and I walked around and I met everybody that I could possibly meet and had some sponsors come out of it. I mean, I'm always, I wake up thinking about it. I go to bed thinking about it. I work on it every day. I've got a partner with in Richard Freeman that, that is super supportive and super helpful with me, but I, I still got to go out and find money. That's my job. That comes first before driving the race car. You had mentioned earlier, and I catch 22 is one thing that we kind of keep bringing up in various facets of this conversation but like I feel and and I don't think it's any secret I know it's something that you deal with like you're you tend to be one of the most polarizing figures in NHRA drag racing like loved or hated like very little in between and I think that for the reasons that you stated earlier like that's almost unavoidable for any successful woman in the sport because like you said like you have to stand up for yourself mm-hmm. in such a a testosterone driven environment like I think men inevitably feel threatened by that like is that a fair statement and how do you reconcile that I think it is a fair statement again I, I don't like I don't dwell on it but it is very different it's different for and I don't care if you're a race car driver or a professional athlete in some other sport or a successful businesswoman it's a man's world it still is there's still a long way to come and I'm no female rights activist by any means. I don't believe in that crap. I believe you work hard <laughs> and you go after what you want and you don't take no for an answer. Guys are tough, man. I mean, they're they're really tough and they're crude and they're they make you hard. When I first started pro stock racing, I'll never forget it. There was this little lady, she worked the top end and handed out power aids back in the day and and she said, Don't let this sport steal your femininity. And I was 19. I, I mean, I didn't really know what that meant, but I, I get it. You look at the female racers that we have and you, they're tough, man. I mean, look at Shirley and look at Angel and, and myself and Alexis and Ashley, Courtney, Brittany. I mean, you have to be tough because if you don't stick up for yourself, nobody else will. You don't want to get walked on. You don't want to be perceived as a sex symbol. I do not. I want to race a car, win races, make money, have fun and get to do what I love for a living with the people that I love the most. And that's, what's important to me. But, but the, the men are hard, man. They're really tough. And a lot of it, you know, throw the business side and the race thing stuff aside, they focus on like the looks and they, they pick at you for your physical features or have another cheeseburger or (laughs) you got crossed eyes and a fat ass and this and that and whatever. But (laughs) 
Okay, last time I checked, I'm not a model. I'm a race car driver. <laughs> well, let's talk about how I drive. That's what. That's what. Yeah, so I get I get frustrated with that that side of it because I, if I was a dude, I wouldn't have to talk about it. You know what I mean? It's just well, that, crazy. They'd have a field day with me. Um, <laughs> I'm easy target. My dad wants to whoop everybody's butt out there. It's crazy. Like, everybody that talks crap on Facebook, he like sends him his phone number, and he's like, "I'll fly you here." I'm like, Daddy, you cannot fix stupid. These people are just ignorant. They sit behind their keyboard and they type crap because they don't have anything better to do. And if they, you know, go out and raise the money and come out here and get a get in a pro stock car, get in a top fuel car, get in a super comp car. If you don't wrap your fire suit before you get to the water box, then I'll pay your way. But people are just, uh, people suck sometimes. So I'm getting all fired up. Yeah. Listen to me. <laughs> Speaking of fired up, it's kind of off subject a little, Erica, but uh, obviously the first event this year, it was well documented or well covered. The the little spat between John Force and Don Schumacher. You're probably in the moment, so you probably didn't see all that happening. Maybe you heard about it, but you know it was covered a lot. It, does drag racing need more of that rivalry talk and and people getting after each other? Did, does that help it? Does it hurt it? What's your opinion on that? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm there to race. Like, I don't... AJ Foyt, I used to race with his grandson, AJ Foyt the fourth, Anthony, back in the junior drag racing days. Luke, you probably remember him. Mm-hmm. He's from Hockley, Texas. And AJ told me a long time ago, if you got friends in racing, you suck. So it's it's kind of funny, <laughs> but, it, but it's true. I mean, you're out there to do a job. I don't go to the... We don't go to these racetracks to visit and carry on and we go to have fun and enjoy what we do of course but it's it's about business and i mean i do think our sport needs it fox and nhra like preaches it to us in the drivers meetings and we need rivalries and we need spats and whatnot it it makes for great ratings right that's what tv is all about but um nascar has it i mean tony stewart's my favorite nascar driver i love smoke and he's like he's one of the best at it he'll chunk his helmet at your race car if you do something to piss him off i don't know if i'd ever do that but i mean there are plenty of rivalries and i don't know top fuel and funny car the insides of that but i know in pro stock my only friend out there is alan johnson and of course my teammates jed coughlin and and uh vincent nobile but the rest of them hate us i mean and, and we'd go my guys would go outside and fight if we didn't get fined 10 grand for doing it but they don't they don't like us. People don't like each other out there. I just had a great but idea. They'll go on TV and just be like, oh, well, he's a good racer and congratulations and blah, blah, blah. But that ain't how it is. <laughs> I, I just had this fantastic idea. Big, long staging battle that ends in Erica throwing a helmet through Bo Butner's windshield. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Bo and Lynn, though. See, they're real. They're what's going to help pro stock. We need people like them because they're they're out there to have fun and they're sportsman racers like we are and and it's not their livelihood like it's not our livelihood either like yeah it's my it's how i get a paycheck but we have other stuff that we do as well and uh the the rest of them guys that's that's what they do it's crazy but uh aj he's a really good friend of mine he he stood in our wedding him and his wife and he tells me like all the time like when danica gets in a fight with somebody he's like uh (laughs) he's like girl let's I'll let you whoop my ass and, and we'll get on TV. <laughs> okay, Alan, whatever. But we, we have good fun with it. Erica, we'll kind of wrap things up here pretty quickly. But before we do, like you are and have been an inspiration to, to me and racers like me, male or female, but I know that you have been a huge 
inspiration to thousands of young female racers coming up. Like, if you could use this forum to give them any female dresser, and I know you could probably go on about this for days, but young woman coming up in the sport, one piece of advice, what would it be? It would be to dream big that anything is possible. I mean, I'm a perfect example of a normal kid through hard work and surrounding myself with the right people we've been able to accomplish a lot of really cool stuff and have fun while we've while we've done it you know it's and I feel like we're we're nowhere close to being done yet but it's a dream come true for me it's really surreal there's not a lot of people that get to say they do what they love for a living and I'm so so blessed to to be able to do what I love for a living and you know I want other people to have the same opportunities as as I have and you got to make sure you love it because it's hard it's not an easy life, especially for a girl. You know, like we talked about, guys are tough on you, and it makes you tougher and, and builds character and whatnot, but it's hard. So you got to make sure you love it. you got to work hard, and you got to surround yourself with the right people. I've worked with a handful of great people throughout my career, but I have never had what I have at Elite Motorsports with Richard Freeman and, and Nick Ferry and J.K. Harrison, my engine guys, and Rick and Ricky Jones and my entire crew. I mean, I... I love these guys. Like, we, we have to spend 24 weeks a year together, but we choose to spend our spare time together. Like, we go hunting at the end of the year. We go fishing. We go to the Caymans every summer before the Western Swing just to just to relax. And But we're best friends, and we love each other, and we have each other's backs, and, and it's unique. So surrounding yourself with the right group of people is, is totally key, and I would never have had the success that we've had together without those guys so they make it happen they're the best and uh but yeah i mean dream big and and work hard don't take no for an answer great advice erica we always try to wrap up with just a quick rapid fire segment so we just got a handful of questions some will be racing related some will be non-racing related but just like simple one word one sentence quick answers all right okay Uh, this isn't an easy one to answer quickly but who has been the biggest positive influence on your racing career one person my dad. Erica, who do you like to race against and or beat the most? Ooh, well, I guess our, our my biggest rival has always been Greg Anderson because he's the only one that made it any different for me being a girl. But uh, I enjoy racing him and more, more, most certainly beating him. But Jed Coughlin, I think uh, he's probably the purest race car driver out there. He wins in everything he gets in, and he brings, uh, brings the best out in his competitors. Erica, we could talk for a long time about your memorable moments to the positive side but give me <laughs> one defeat that still stings who i got two um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> bristol against mike edwards my first final back with kagnazzi in 2011 and uh i left on him by like five hundreds i think and I and we shook so i remember just feeling like i got kicked in the guts because i thought you know, finally it's taken, you know, six years to get back with a competitive team and here's my chance. It's so hard to get to a final round and then that happened. And then uh, most certainly, like probably hands down was the finals at the U.S. Nationals against my quote unquote teammate, Dave Connolly, um, back a few years ago. So we had the fastest car on the property, had the field covered by three hundreds. I qualified on the pole. I won every round and we go to the finals and whatever happened happened and and he won and it just it stung and that was the beginning of the end with that deal yeah that that sounds pretty stingy uh erica (laughs) 
the last song you just really jacked up loud. So I'm a big country music fan, and it's not like a like a crazy pump you up something that you'd work out to at the gym. But the band Perry has this song called "Comeback Kid," and I think I'm, I keep telling myself that's going to be our 27 2017 season. Was you know they like to kick you when you're down, like that was kind of the theme of the song. But I'm a comeback kid, and you're all invited to the comeback show or whatever they say. But it's kind of I relate everything to racing. So that song and then This Girl is on Fire, which they played at the 2014 championship banquet for Pro Stock. And that, like, anytime that song comes on, I get chill bumps. Yeah, that was a that was a special moment, <laughs> a moment I'll never forget. And I was standing a long way from the stage. So, um, How about one TV show or movie that you love but probably wouldn't readily admit, but you're going to admit on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man, I don't watch a whole lot of TV. I'm like totally into the Chicago trilogy thing right now. Chicago Fire Med PD. But I've like I'm tough as nails, but I'm scared of the dark. So I have to watch something happy before I go to bed. Otherwise, I'll have bad dreams. So I watch Friends <laughs> all the time before I go to sleep. Perfect. And um, what was the other question? TV or what? That was it. TV or movie? You can oh, pick okay. one or the other. So Friends is sufficient. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, we'll end I'm it on such that. a dork <laughs> come on uh, thank you so much for carving out half an hour out of your day to spend with us here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast we greatly appreciate your time and your insights and like I say just uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us thank y'all for having me I, uh, I keep up with you guys and wish you the best of luck this year thank you so much likewise Erica we'll be pulling for you thank you All right, thanks Erica This podcast has been presented in part by Racing RVs. At this point, you should know about Racing RVs and what they're all about. They support sportsman drag racing at an unprecedented level, and they've helped hundreds of racers just like you. When the time comes to consider an upgrade to your racing program, new, used, trade-in, or direct purchase, truck, motorhome, or trailer, give Joe Fisher at Racing RVs a call at 419 236 one three two eight. Luke, before we uh, wrap up the show, uh, I do want to take just a quick second and send uh, thoughts and prayers out to Greg Platter. Greg was uh, a racer that unfortunately struck by a, a tree limb uh, in a crazy accident earlier today and uh, passed away immediately. And uh, Greg had just won the top ET track championship at Capitol. So he uh, was a guy that was fulfilling dreams and um, loved by a lot of people and very unfortunate incident. And we want to send thoughts and prayers out to all his friends and family. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, saw some of that on Facebook today myself and didn't know Greg personally, but uh, hate to see that. And with you, just to uh, echo those thoughts and prayers to family, loved ones, all of his friends up there, um, competitors. I know that uh, a lot of thoughts are, uh, are with the Platter family, but uh, that's going to wrap up our episode 14, Jed. I want to say thank you to our sponsors. Um, these are the folks that bring you the podcast every week. This week, Racer Swag, k and Filters, and Racing RVs. 
In addition, huge thank you to our guest. Um, she pulled us through the show today. I think we were struggling a little bit. That interview went very well. Thank you, Erica. Um, also, thank you to PJ North for uh, providing the tunes and doing our intro. You can find PJ's work on iTunes. As you guys know, we plan to release a new podcast every week of the calendar year, so stay tuned for plenty more going forward. Yeah, folks, and to get the latest episode before your friends, be sure to subscribe to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast wherever it is that you're finding the podcast. You can get us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the podcast. You know, Guys, that's how we move up in the rankings so more people can find us. If you don't like what you hear, let us know how we can deliver you a better show. And finally, be sure to join the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast fan page on Facebook to interact and learn how to vote for the next big thing in the coming weeks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Can he achieve the dream? This is way you live. Banging on the door. Bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty. Switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck. I'm spending money that I don't have Still can't get enough We working nine to nine To keep the stream alive Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.